But his story took place, his life took place about 440 years before the birth of Christ in the ancient kingdom of Persia, which sits inside the borders of what we would know today as Iran. And Persia at that point was the dominant force in the world. Artaxerxes was its emperor, and Nehemiah was one of his slaves. He was his cupbearer. Now, cupbearer actually to us would be more like a wine taster, because that's literally what Nehemiah did. He tasted the wine, made sure there was no poison in it before it was served to the king. And as we read, we discover that Nehemiah was more than just a servant to Artaxerxes. He was, in fact, a trusted advisor, a confidant. More than a hundred years before Nehemiah's story takes place, the nation of Israel was conquered. The temple was destroyed. The walls were torn down. And the majority of the Israelites were exported into exile. Just a tiny remnant remained in Israel. And now Nehemiah, more than a hundred years later, is working for Artaxerxes, and he hears how terrible things have gotten even since the exile. One of his friends comes to him and says, those who survived the exile are back in the province and are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down, its gates have been burned with fire. Nehemiah hears this, and he goes and he does a very risky thing. He goes to Artaxerxes and says, look, my people are in a bad way back in Jerusalem. And I would like to go back and bring some organization to the work there, some leadership. I was wondering if you could give me some time off. That was a really risky thing for him to do. Because technically he wasn't an employee, he was a slave. And slaves don't get time off. But he had such favor with Artaxerxes, that he not only granted him the risk, he said, I'll do better than that. I'll make you the governor of the region. And I'll give you whatever you need to help your people. But, but, you have to come back. You can't go there and live there forever. So Nehemiah took some time. He gathered the money, he gathered the materials, he gathered the manpower, and he heads off to Jerusalem. Now, just to give you an idea of how daunting this task really was, there's one group of Jews that had already returned to try to do the very thing that Nehemiah is going to do. They went back to rebuild the temple. They went back to rebuild the walls, to reestablish the nation. And they had been at this for 75 years, and they'd gotten nowhere. Now Nehemiah comes, and he's going to try to do the same thing. And when he gets there, his heart is broken because he sees the city truly is in ruins. And the people were at the mercy of warlords who lived in the region and regularly came into the area just to plunder and pillage. And as a result, everyone living there was broken down, discouraged. There was no sense of national pride, and there was certainly no sense that God was with them. Nehemiah arrives, and he gets a casual glance and sees how bad things are, decides to take one full day and night, 24 hours, to walk the perimeter of the city of Jerusalem just to see how bad it really is. And he comes to this conclusion. If I don't get anything else done, I've got to rebuild this wall. It is the most important thing that we can do together as a people. 
more important than propping up the economy, more important than installing some leaders for when he goes back home, more important than solving any other problem, we've got to rebuild the wall to give a sense of protection, to give a sense of dignity and pride back to the people who live here. So Nehemiah rallies the people, he casts this incredible vision, and they begin to rebuild the wall. And as they made progress, all of those people who had been attacking them started to get a little worried, a little afraid. What happens if the Jewish people actually succeed in rebuilding the walls? They could become a force in the region again. They could come after us. They felt threatened. And in the middle of all of that, there was one individual who rose up and became kind of the leader of these attacking forces. His name was Sanballat. And he tried to undermine Nehemiah's work in so many subversive ways. He sent spies in the city just simply to plant rumors against Nehemiah, to try to discourage the people. When that didn't work, he sent in troops that attacked the people who were working on the wall. That slowed Nehemiah down some, caused him to pull half the people off the wall to defend the other half who were still working on the wall. But no matter what happened, the wall continued to progress at a steady pace, higher and higher and higher. And so Sanballat decided, I'm going to try something different. He sent a message to Nehemiah saying, hey, let's meet together in one of the villages in the plain of Ono. Now on the surface, it resembles kind of a Middle East peace summit. But Sanballat and his cohorts actually wanted to get Nehemiah outside the city so they could kill him. Because they knew, or at least they assumed, that if they could kill Nehemiah, the people would be discouraged and give up this crazy idea of rebuilding the walls around the city. So when it didn't work, Sanballat sent more messages. And he said, let's get together. Let's have lunch. Let's do coffee. Meet me at the first Starbucks in the world. We'll just sit down and we'll have a cup of coffee. We'll sort this whole thing out. And Nehemiah knew in his heart what they were really trying to do. He says, they were scheming to hurt me. He knew the last thing they wanted was a conversation. They had an agenda to stop Nehemiah any way possible. And the key for how we are to accomplish this one thing we need to do this year lies in his simple but profound response that Nehemiah gave every single time. He sent messengers back to Sanballat with the message, I'm doing a great work, and I can't come down. That's the key phrase in this whole thing. I am doing a great work, and I cannot come down. Why should the work come to a standstill just so I can come down and see you? Four times they sent this message, and four times Nehemiah gave them the same answer. Sanballat and his friends were persistent. You've got to give them that. But... They dogged Nehemiah at every opportunity, and every single time he came back with the same response. I'm doing a great work, and I cannot come down. I cannot stop. I cannot be diverted. I cannot be distracted. Because he knew if he did, his enemies would destroy him and what he was trying to accomplish. It is really easy, I think, for us to get distracted from what's important in our lives. We all know the critical things we need to do. We know what's going to set us up for success or failure in the future. To use Nehemiah's language, we know what our wall is. 
We know where the breaches are in that wall. And once we know, the question becomes for us, will we be willing to stay on the wall until that task is completed? Will we have the courage? Will we have the determination, like Nehemiah did, to say, I'm doing a great work, and I cannot come down? Nehemiah maintained this singular focus throughout. And he eventually reached a point where he said, I'm not going to let anything distract me. They kept trying to distract him. He came to a point where the wall got completed. And here's the miraculous part, the only miraculous part of this entire story, is that the wall was completed in 52 days. 52 days. In that short amount of time, roughly six weeks, seven weeks, Nehemiah did something that thousands of people could not accomplish in 75 years. What's more, when Nehemiah finished the work, he writes, all our enemies heard about this. All the surrounding nations were afraid and lost their self-confidence because they realized this work had been done with the help of God. And if you read the whole story, what you discover in those 14 chapters is that there were no miracles as we would recognize them. The Israelites didn't wake up one morning and go, holy cow, how did that section of wall get built? That must have been God who overnight completed that whole section of the wall. Didn't happen. God didn't send lightning to strike Nehemiah's enemies and kill them so they'd stop distracting him from what he was trying to do. Nothing supernatural happened in the entire story. What you encounter in this story in Nehemiah is men and women who knew in their heart the one thing that needed to be done. And God honored their hard work, their discipline, and Nehemiah's leadership. And in the end, even their enemies said, there's something going on here. This has the thumbprint of God on it. And before we finish this morning, I want to push us all a little bit. I want to make us think really hard about what our one thing is for this year. And I may actually even make some of you a little uncomfortable. But that's all right. As I worked over this message over the last few weeks, it made me uncomfortable, pushed me to figure out my one thing for 2017. Because I don't think any one of us wants to be sitting a year from now, January 1st, 2018, and be dealing with the same junk in our lives that we're dealing with today. Because we want something better, and God wants something better for us. So what's your one thing? What's your wall? Could be some kind of a habit you need to break. You may have this nagging feeling in your head that you drink too much. And there's a really easy way to know If you drink too much. You drink too much if you've ever had a friend say to you, I think you drink too much. Not real complicated, right? It's pretty simple. It can be the same with just about any bad habit in our lives. People look at us and say something like, you drink too much. You don't remember that you drink too much. Why? Because you drink too much. You may have an addiction to prescription medication. You may have a gambling problem. You may have some form of addiction in your life that you just want to be free from. And if someone has spoken to you about that, 
you probably do have that problem. Because think about how much it took for them to screw up the courage just to come and have that conversation with you. How much they've witnessed in your life. If that's your one thing, if there's an addiction you need to break, let this be the year that you're done with it. You can do a lot of things this year. You will do a lot of things. Let that be the one thing you must do. Get it under control. Whatever you have to do, whoever you have to talk to, do the work. For some of us, our health is the one thing. You may have found yourself over the last few months saying, I really want to be around for my spouse. I want to be around for my kids, for my grandkids as they grow up. So let's make this the year that we stop dancing around the issue of our health and we do a great work. Now, I know it can be hard to tackle that one thing. If it were easy, we've all, we'd have already done it. We wouldn't have to talk about it this morning if we'd all tackle our one thing in 2016. And it works for us with this just like it did for Nehemiah. There aren't any miracles that are going to come. I have prayed for them, for, for me to just wake up one morning and be physically fit, you know? Look like the rock. I look like a boulder, not a rock, but I'm getting there, right? It's going to take determination. There's no miracle. We have to deal with it, and we have to do the work and not come down until the work is done. For some, our wall is debt. The truth is, we can't afford the lifestyle that we've been living. We just can't. And it really doesn't matter how you got there. If you find yourself in that place this morning, you need to do the work of eliminating that debt. We sat with some friends this past week who made that determination in the middle of last year. And they told us that by summer, they will have eliminated $75,000 in debt. And within three years, they hope to be debt-free, including their mortgage. That only happens if you make that singular commitment that this is the one thing you give attention to, that this is the year that you focus on eliminating and you care about eliminating debt more than anything else. And I'm staying on this wall until I am at a place where I can honor God with the way I use the resources he's given to me. For some this morning, it's our marriage that needs our undivided attention. Some of you sitting here right now know that your marriage is in trouble. And you know that you can't spend one more year pretending that everything is okay. But there's hope. There's hope this morning that you can, just like Nehemiah, rebuild. Please, for the sake of your kids, your stepkids, your grandkids, be willing to admit the struggle that you're in to a friend, to your community group, to a counselor. Talk to someone. And it can be embarrassing to talk about relationship struggles. But would you be willing to admit to someone that you've been pretending and you're just tired of pretending and you don't want to do that anymore? To say, this, my marriage is my great work this year and I will not come down until it's finished. Some of us are in relationships we shouldn't be in. We have that friend. We have that person we're dating. We have that person we're engaged to, and we know that the relationship isn't good for us. 
We know that if we stay in that relationship, it's going to take us in a direction we just don't want to go. And when you talk about getting out of that relationship, it's scary. Relationships are messy. It's hard to extract ourselves from them. But you know in your heart it's something you need to do and it's something God wants you to do. That's your wall. I'm doing a great work. I don't care how anyone feels. I don't care how afraid I feel. I don't care if I never find anyone else. This is my great work. And I cannot come down. Some of you still have kids at home. Some of you are just beginning your family. Some of you, in fact, are raising your kids' kids, and you never thought you'd be in that place. I hope you recognize this morning that your great work, if you can't see anything else, see that your great work is to shape the heart, the life, the eternity of the little person that God has entrusted to your care. I hope you can say with determination, I'm not going to allow anything to distract me from the privilege of shaping this life, investing in my kids. I can take more trips. I can make more money. I can pursue more opportunities. But that would take me away from this important work right here in my own home. Can you look at your kids today and commit in your heart that this, this is your one thing? There are lots of things. Lots of things every one of us can do this year. And we're going to do a lot of great things. But will we do that one thing that will make the biggest difference until we lean into our wall and the challenge in front of us? We will not know what God can do in our lives. Clarity and focus only come as we climb the ladder and throw ourselves into the work, just like Nehemiah. This morning, I wish I could just put on the screen so that just you could see where your life would be 12 months, two years, five years from now. If you could do that one thing, just zero in on it. Be done with that bad habit. Begin a new discipline. Change a relationship. We have no idea what hangs in the balance of our lives around this one thing. We'd be able to say, I'm doing a great work and I cannot come down. That single commitment can have a profound impact on our lives, on our relationships, on our finances. So what kind of a mark do you want to leave on your kids, your spouse, on your friendships? Are you willing to make this the year that you finally tackle that one thing that you must do? You walk out the doors this morning with a commitment to do it. Knowing it's going to be hard. Knowing that as you stand on that ladder doing the work, there are going to be people at the base of the ladder rattling the ladder and challenging you and criticizing you and criticizing the commitment that you have, trying to distract you, even in some cases making threats to us. But know this, that as you do that work, God goes with you every step of the journey. When you simply say, I'm doing a great work, and I cannot, I will not come down.